0: What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, August 10th, 2015, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot, also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics, and on Instagram, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester, or give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181, and whether you swing by the shop or call them, make sure you tell them I sent you. So what happened this weekend? Of course, we had Deflategate news. Every single day we have Deflategate news, and this is a big Deflategate week because – on Wednesday, we will have the first of what could be two settlement conferences uh, held in New York City. We actually had a football game last night, the Hall of Fame game, and uh, yeah, I I didn't watch the whole thing. What I did, what I needed to do was, I guess, I needed to hear Al Michaels' voice. Uh, I needed to to hear the NBC mu you know, NFL and NBC music you know, football night in America music. I needed to hear that coming back from commercial, going to commercial. I needed to see a little of the game. I saw Teddy Bridgewater throw a couple passes. Outside of that, though, I mean, what do you really want to break down in a 14-3 game? Uh, the Vikings beat the Steelers, the Hall of Fame game. A lot of the starters don't play in this one. Uh, but I did, I was able to, to see and hear some of the talk about You know, obviously, NBC, they're going to pump up their season opener, which is going to be the Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers, right, on that Thursday night game, uh, the first game of the season, September 10th, Thursday night, week one, Pittsburgh Steelers at Gillette Stadium against the the Patriots, and look, the the movement is sort of on Twitter, hashtag, no Brady, no Banner. I'm all about that. If Tom Brady is not playing in that game, the Patriots should not raise a banner. We don't know if Tom Brady's going to be in that game, and that's the importance now of these settlement conferences that will one will be held this week on Wednesday in New York City. If necessary, the second one, which I do think it will be necessary, will be August 19th. What I think is going to happen here is both sides are going to make their case uh, to U.S. And District Judge Richard Berman, and... Uh, I think that both sides are going to stand their ground. At least that's what we're hearing, because I'll get to the Roger Goodell comments in just a second. Roger Goodell, as we saw and heard and read, made some statements and answered some questions this weekend at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he said some interesting things to go along with what we actually read. In the legal briefs that were submitted over the weekend by both the NFL and the NFLPA, they were submitted uh, to U.S. District Judge Richard Berman going into these settlement conferences. But here's, here's the deal. I don't expect anything to get done before Wednesday. I don't expect anything to get done on Wednesday or Wednesday night. I expect really the first one to be both sides talking to the judge going, this is what we have, and this is why we're standing our ground. And why we're not going to back down and we're not going to come to any sort of settlement agreement. And the judge is going to try to talk them into some things. And then, you know, you'll get, you know, a couple days in which the judge will once again encourage both sides to continue to talk and try to come up with an agreement. And I don't expect them to come up with one on their own. And that's why they'll meet again on August 19th. What will be so interesting about August 19th is that the Patriots will have joint practices with the Saints in West Virginia, leading into the Patriots' second preseason game, which is Saturday, August 22nd, in New Orleans. Uh, They will be practicing at West Virginia in the joint practices. And, you know, we always hear Bill Belichick and how he raves about, you know, the joint practices. And, uh, you know... I, last week on the show, I had Mike Giotti on from Comcast SportsNet, and and you know he put it perfectly. He says, you know, a lot of times Bill Belichick talks about the joint practices as if they're more important than the preseason games themselves, and I, I agree with that. You know, that's the that's what that's what Belichick says, and and I and I believe that that's actually how he feels. So if Tom Brady is going to miss any of those, I do think that's a, 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 that's a kind of a big deal. I think I really do. I know it's. I know it's training camp, technically, and preseason practices, but, uh, you know, that is important to the team uh, that will be going into this regular season as the defending champs. I'm not saying if Brady misses that, the season's over, and the Patriots can't win another Super Bowl, or somehow Brady's career or his time with the Patriots is going to be in jeopardy because all of a sudden that means it opens the door for Jimmy Garoppolo, opens the door for Jimmy Garoppolo to step in and steal that spot. I'm... I'm I'm not telling you that's going to happen. I'm just saying in in the grand scheme of things with regards to getting the football team prepared for week one, you would like your number one quarterback to be at those joint practices given how much they mean to the coach of the team. But uh, So so that's a big date, the second settlement conference. Not just for that, but also because you, we want to see an end to this. And what we all want to see here in New England is Tom Brady receive a suspension of zero games. For this to get cut down from four to zero, I don't know that that's going to happen. But what we do know over the weekend is that Roger Goodell spoke, and one thing that Roger Goodell said, and he answered the question, and there was audio of this, because he had a press conference at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is he was asked a question talking about the process and the Ted Wells investigation, and... Roger Goodell says, "Here's the quote." He says, first off, it was an independent investigation." Turns out, he's saying this, and th- th- no, it fucking wasn't, because over the weekend, as I mentioned, the NFL and NFLPA they submitted their legal briefs, right? They they filed their motions uh, to the U.S. District Judge Richard Berman in in advance of these settlement conferences on settlement conference on Wednesday, and. If you go to SI.com, Michael McCann over the weekend, he reads these legal briefs, and he comes up with a couple things that appear in the NFL's briefs, okay? Here's the first thing that comes up, and this is, this is something that makes Goodell look even more like a fucking moron, and like a liar- and an ass clown that we all have assumed that he is in this entire process. Um, because I, I, as I said over the weekend on WEI, the more stuff, and I've said this on this podcast last week, the more stuff that gets out here, it just makes the NFL look worse and worse. It does. And this doesn't make the NFL look any better. Here's what uh, Michael McCann on Sports Illustrated, he gets these legal briefs from the NFL and NFLPA. He reads them, and, and here's what he, what he gives us. Says, one, while the NFL PA amplifies criticism of Goodell as unfair, the NFL insists it doesn't matter whether Wells was independent. In its brief, the NFL correctly stresses that Article 46 of the collective bargaining agreement lacks any language that compels an independent investigation. Therefore, the NFL reasons the league had no legal obligation to provide Brady with an independent investigation. Wow. I mean, that is some pretty strong stuff. That is basically the NFL saying, you know what? It wasn't an independent investigation. They just admitted that. They've admitted a couple things that are, are pretty interesting and don't make the NFL look good in this deflate gate bullshit the last couple of weeks. The first was actually instituting a rule now for this coming season that says all PSI levels of footballs before the game will be documented. It's mandatory. The officials now have to document them. And there will be random testing at halftime and post-game. And for any team. So that's basically the NFL admitting that they fucked up. Okay? That their officials and their league didn't care about what was in the rule book with regards to air pressure in a football. Didn't matter to them until, what, halftime of the AFC championship game? Please, give me a break. So they admitted that. Now, in, in this in these legal briefs that they've given to U.S. District Judge Richard Berman in advance of these uh, these hearings on Wednesday, this hearing, the settlement conference, the NFL, they argue that it's irrelevant, that that Article 46 of the CBA does not have anything that says they need to give Brady an independent investigation. They're saying... Look, I get that. We get that that's what they're arguing. And the NFLPA is questioning 10 Wells and, and how independent he is. And Wells has said he was independent. And we've said he was independent. And Roger Goodell, over the weekend at a fucking press conference, said that Goodell was independent. He said it. That's how he answered a question. He was asked a question about Wells. And he says, well, first off, it was an independent investigation. No, it wasn't in the brief that you just filed to Judge Richard Berman. You are saying to him. Well, the NFLPA, they're questioning Wells, but you know what? Technically, that shouldn't matter in this case because there's nothing that says the investigation needs to be independent. It doesn't need to be independent. And why would you point that out? The only reason you would point that out is if it wasn't independent. And, you know, we've all sort of, yeah, we've known this. I mean, we know the guy, the NFL uh you know what a guy in the NFL Jeff Pash he is the one that edited the Wells report as it turns out so come on i mean this is we we we've heard that we've thought that and now that we see the NFL in a legal brief a file a motion they actually say this they say hey they're arguing that Wells wasn't independent but technically that doesn't matter we don't nothing in the CBA says Much like the CBA says that Roger Goodell can be the judge-jury executioner, they say, hey, we're going by the CBA on this one, and the CBA doesn't guarantee anything about an independent investigation. We don't have to give Brady an independent investigation. And when they say they don't have to give Brady an independent investigation, they're basically admitting that they didn't give him one. Right? That that Wells wasn't independent. Yeah, I don't... the Richie Incognito, you know, he had his stuff with Wells last year, or the year, whenever the hell that was, and and he spoke over the weekend, and there were quotes from him that say, you know, Roger Goodell is too much power, you know, Ted Wells, it's never an independent investigation when it has to do with him, or at least in my situation, you know, he said those things. I don't, I, I I'm not gonna, I don't know that we should go into that, but the bottom line is this. You know, that comes out the same weekend that this comes out and we see this stuff. This is no coincidence. Bottom line is this. We kind of now know the NFL has admitted that, that this was not an independent investigation. Now, we sort of all assumed that it was not independent based on things that we know. Common sense. You know, the people that look at this thing from, uh, with some common sense, I'd like to think that I have some. And I've tried to look at this whole Just debacle and just circus and say, okay, let's think about this reasonably for a minute, right? When you do that, you can see that this is not an independent investigation. We've been saying that for a while, but we actually have some, I don't want to say physical evidence, but we have the NFL essentially admitting in a brief that, that this wasn't independent. And that's a problem. Now, I guess where they're right is that in the CBA, I guess they correctly correctly state that they don't have to give Brady an independent investigation, which is completely bullshit. But at the same time, you know, both sides need to sign off on that. And I think that might be where we get into something that maybe the judge even has to say, I think it is crazy that you wouldn't give the guy an independent investigation. And it sounds like, you know, you came up with your own conclusions there, as Tommy Curran puts it, up on Integrity Hill, uh, <laughs> This is great. And, um, you know, the judge could say, but the CBA technically says you're right. You don't have to give him an independent investigation. And yes, Roger Goodell can be the guy that's hearing uh, the appeal. So there are some things that that do scare me. With I don't know about Richard Judge Richard Berman. I, I, what I do know is the NFL wanted it in New York City. The players, the NFLPA did not. Tom Brady did not. They wanted that in Minnesota, and because we know what the NFL did, right? Did they? They, well, they sue the NFLPA first. I mean, they, it's much like uh, Ted Wells coming out with a conference call right after his. 243-page report trying to defend himself. Well, if you can't defend yourself in 243 pages, then, you know, you shouldn't have another opportunity to say anything. You get 243 fucking pages. But now we see, well, he was it wasn't independent, and the NFL admits such over the weekend. And then Roger Goodell, even though that he filed these, the NFL filed these briefs, I mean, you gotta know that they're getting out. We're reading Tom Brady's emails. Personal, private conversations. You see that basically in your brief, you admit that the Brady investigation, the deflacate investigation with Ted Wells, it was not independent. And yet you're going to answer a question the next day at the Hall of Fame weekend and say, well, first off, it was an independent investigation. What the fuck are we doing? It's, I mean... It's insane. It is insane. The only thing that I can think is happening is to a man, Roger Goodell, to a man, admits that he fucked up, right? He admits that he fucked up, and all he can really do at this point is just keep standing his ground. As stupid as he sounds, and as stupid as he probably knows he sounds and looks, he say, All I can do is stick to my guns and be stubborn on this thing. And if I'm stubborn about this thing until the day I die, what are people going to do? They're going to crush me anyways. You know, it's too late for Roger Goodell to come around and say, have a press conference tomorrow and go, you know what? It wasn't independent. Uh, I let this thing get out of line. And, uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady should probably not be suspended. It, it, It really is too late for him to say that. And for us to then turn around and go, oh, you know what? He, at least he admitted he was wrong. Well, no. You can't. You're not. Nobody's going to all of a sudden feel bad for you because you have taken this way too far. And you had chances and you had opportunities to already do this and you didn't do it. I mean, you're the one that could have looked at the Brady suspension and said, we're going to cut it down. And you didn't do that. And here we are. And you're still standing on your ground. And you're lying about shit. And you're lying about stuff that you know is going to get out to the public like we see in these briefs, as I read on SI.com, in which the league says, guess what, Judge Richard Berman? Hey, they want to knock Ted Wells be being independent? Guess what? He doesn't need to be independent. How's that? Our CBA says that Tom Brady does not, nothing says there needs to be an independent investigation. Now, the NFL in those briefs, if it was independent, they would have said, they would have never said that. You know what they would have said? They would have said, This, they're arguing that Ted Wells was independent, but that's not, you know, they're saying he wasn't independent, but but that's wrong. He was independent. And here's why. Now, the NFL didn't do that. Because he wasn't independent, it wasn't an independent investigation. They basically admit it in these briefs that were filed. So uh that's the latest. I mean, that's the latest on, on DeFlake. Right? Now, so they're just going to stand their ground. Both sides are standing their ground. I don't know when this is going to end. I, I, I have no idea. We all need it to end. But one thing they did do last night during the Hall of Fame game, football night in America, Vikings-Steelers preseason, first one. Uh, what they did was they showed a couple commercials for the, for the season opener that Thursday night at Gillette. And they say, oh, the world champs, it's, you know, championship night. You know, you uh, celebrate the champions, right? And they showed Steelers plays. They showed Patriots. They showed Gronk. They showed the Super Bowl trophy, I believe being raised by Brady. Only they cut, they didn't show Brady's face. They just showed his hand and the trophy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was Brady's hand. Oh, that that was Brady hoisting the Lombardi trophy. And they cut him out of it. And they didn't even show it. I didn't see the video. I, I saw a couple. Maybe they showed another one later in the game. But the ones that I saw, the promos, and and as they were teasing, the first game of the season, you know, championship night at Gillette Stadium, I didn't see Brady. And I don't know if that's because, as of right now, Brady's suspended. And they say, well, he's not going to play, so we can't show him. That would be false advertising. Right? I, it's... It's crazy to think that you're gonna have championship night. I mean, I've been saying this for a long time, but I'll I, we continue to say it because Goodell keeps standing his ground, and he's had, he's had plenty of opportunities to to back down off of this, and you know admits that that they fucked up, and they It's clear it, when you file those briefs and you basically admit that it's not an independent investigation, and then you the next day of a you know hold a press conference at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and you answer a question by saying, well, first let me say that. This was an independent investigation. It's pretty clear that you're never gonna you're never gonna back down off of this. You're gonna continue to stand your ground until somebody, uh, you know, knocks you off of that throne. You are. That's what's gonna happen. They're gonna have to. T- they're gonna have to knock you off the throne. And, and still, even to that point, he's not gonna back down from this. He's standing his ground. He's pounding his chest. Okay. But it's crazy to think that you have all this promotion, publicity, championship night, first game of the season, Thursday night football, NBC, raising the banner. Well, first of all, we don't even know if they'll be raising the banner. Oh, Super Bowl MVP. Nope, no Super Bowl MVP. He won't be there, right? Now, again, we don't know what happened. I'm saying as of now, that's what it looks like. It, that is that is embarrassing for the that's a, that's an embarrassment for the league and a league that keeps using these words integrity values I mean come on now the guy that's not going to be in that game that you're promoting that's so special because of that player we're reading his emails his private conversations he's not playing in the game and you're lying about shit open you're openly lying about stuff. And you keep using the word integrity. It's, it's, it's so, this is so stupid. It's not even funny. But this is what you're going to do. I hope they don't raise the banner. Right? I mean, I know, look, Robert Kraft, he accepted the penalties, and he had that, 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 that fiery press conference the first day of training camp a couple weeks ago, and he calls out Goodell and the league and uh, all this shit. And, you know, I loved it. I loved him calling out Goodell and basically said, I thought we had something in place. And apparently we didn't. I thought the lawyers left the room. Apparently they didn't. But then you say, well, well, what can you do? Like, what what do you do if you get, if you, if you craft, right? I did read a story. uh, I did read a couple things on Twitter that said there was some owners that were, you know, to a man behind the scenes trying to get to Goodell and say, listen, We've gone way too far. And it's something that I said last week. It's like if you're an owner and you see that the, you know, the face of your league has his private emails released because of the air pressure in a football. I mean, guys, can we just stop? No owner wants his emails read. Private conversations, dinner reservations, color of his pool cover. Nobody does. So enough. This thing's gone too far. And it's time for some owners to step up and, and, and express that. You know, and, and and get to the commission and say, I know we have this fight between the owners and the NFLPA. But at some point, both anybody can cross any line. And I feel like maybe we've crossed the line on this one. Right? Right? Somebody, people need to step up. Now, I don't know if Robert Kraft's, if he's getting another owner's ears and telling them. I don't know. I have no clue. But here's one thing that Kraft could do. And should do. And we've been talking about this for a long time now. I believe it was Mike and Attleboro on Twitter who started the hashtag "No, No Brady, No Banner. Right? And I think that's, you know, one thing that Kraft should do. Look, the NFL, they want to promote this. They want to have, you know, a championship night. It's the season opener. We celebrate the champions. Patriots should open that game. If they don't have Brady, they should open that game. Gillette Stadium, the organization, the team, they should treat that like it is week six on the road. And they, that would be a big fuck you to the NFL because the NFL wants to have this big party. They want to have this big celebration. In fact, I did read that maybe one concern the NFL has is that they're going to have some type of concert take place before this game, but they're not going to have it in Gillette. Oh, no. And I don't know if that's because the Patriots didn't want them to or not. They're having it in San Francisco. That's where Super Bowl 50 is. And they're sort of, you know, I I feel like they had to change the storyline of this thing. So here's what they did. They looked at it and said, the road to Super Bowl 50 starts Thursday night. You know, they're leaving that option open where maybe they can can go all in on that motto and get away from championship night celebrating the champions. Because if the Patriots say, we don't have Brady, fuck you, we're not celebrating shit until he's here. And we're going to treat this like it's a week six game on the road with regards to pregame celebrations or anything that's going to happen. In fact, if you were, uh, you know, if you just didn't pay any attention to the NFL last season and you showed up at Gillette on that Thursday night to start the season against the Steelers, the pregame stuff, the in game stuff, the halftime stuff, you wouldn't even know the Patriots played the previous season. That's the way the Patriots should handle it if Brady's not there. And I- I'm thinking that maybe they will, right? You know, and the NFL sees this, they say, well, we can't. We're going to have to have some type of celebration. And wait, maybe, you know, if Brady isn't there, we need to have another option here. <laughs> we need to have another motto, another go to tagline. Oh, we'll do the road to Super Bowl 50 and we'll have a party in San Francisco because that's where Super Bowl 50 will be. I guess not a terrible strategy for, for NBC and the NFL, right? Got to do something. Because you're promoting it like a celebration. And if it's not going to be a championship celebration, you might as well celebrate uh, the beginning of the season in, that will hold Super Bowl 50. And you might as well have it, I guess, in the arena, Levi Stadium, where Super Bowl 50 is. So, it's... But the fact that it's come to this over the air pressure in a football is embarrassing. We keep having to, Do we even have to keep saying that? It is, but... Yeah, one of these Mondays, I'm gonna open the week with no Deflategate news, no Deflategate news. I'm not sure that's gonna happen soon though. But the biggest news, the NFL, they and the NFLPA, right? They filed their briefs, their legal briefs, submitted those, and the NFL admits, eh? Wasn't an independent investigation after all. <laughs> Yet, a day later, Roger Goodell answers a question by saying, well, first off, it was an independent investigation. He, uh, You know, he knows he's lying at this point. He knows that people know that he's lying. But as long as the words that come out of his mouth in every forum are a lie, it's like the Seinfeld episode, George Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it. You think Roger Goodell looks in the mirror every day, looks in the self-tie, puts his tie on and goes, Roger, it's not a lie if you believe it. And he gives a little smirk, winks, and he walks out of the room like he's the smartest guy in whatever room he walks into. But in reality, we all know that he is the dumbest. But again, if he's telling himself he's the smartest guy in the room and he keeps telling himself it was a private investigation, excuse me, an independent investigation, and he keeps telling himself that, you know, Tom Brady cheated and the Patriots are cheaters and they deserve all this punishment and Brady should be suspended four games and that sh- that's, look, integrity of the game and it's the, it should be the same number of games as Greg Hardy, who's a legit criminal. If he keeps telling himself this is true, then he believes it. It's not a lie if you believe it. That's where I think Roger Goodell is at right now. And that's why, hopefully, sooner rather than later, this guy is gone from the league. But as I said, it's going to take some, some owners with some balls to, to, to step up and, and, you know, make that statement and start that movement. I, there are some whispers that some owners are unhappy where this has come and not, not unhappy with the NFLPA, uh, unhappy with the commissioner. We've, we've seen that. I don't know how many and I don't know how powerful these owners are, but I hope that, I hope that idea snowballs a little bit here. On the onus side of things. Because we have gone way too far. I mean, we're to the point now where the NFL is, is you know, we all, we all know that they've lied. And we've assumed that they lied. But these legal briefs, it's actual proof that the NFL is admitting to the lie of the independent investigation. <laughs> and yet, while they admit to the lie in the legal briefs, publicly, they keep trying to tell us another thing. It's, it's just comical. It is. So, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, You'd think that the NFL doesn't have any type of uh, leg to stand on in this fight, but crazy things have happened. And again, I'm I'm sitting there trying to use common sense. I I don't know that anyone else is going to do that, that has the opportunity to make decisions and cut Brady's suspension down. Right. I don't know that anyone who's making those decisions will use common sense. And the scary thing, as I mentioned, is that the judge could always say, look, this is just pathetic that they didn't give an independent investigation. But it also does say in the CBA, they correctly say that they don't actually have to give Brady an independent investigation. So they are kind of right, much like they're right about Goodell being the guy in the appeal here in the appeal. It's in the CBA. That's my fear. And uh, that's why I have no idea what's going to happen. I really don't. Really don't. So that's what we had this weekend. It is good to get some football. The Patriots' first preseason game this Thursday night at Gillette Stadium. They take on the Green Bay Packers. A former Packer, Matt Flynn, current Patriot. Though I say current with regards to a couple hours ago. He was released today. He is banged up. Matt Flynn's injury was released. The Patriots quickly signed QB Ryan Lindley. Uh, now, we're hearing that this is just concerns about Thursday and, again, Flynn's health. I, I'd i like to see if this is one of those moves in which Matt Flynn, you know, they tell him to keep his personal belongings in the in this locker, right, because they'll bring him back next week or whenever at some point he's injured and they're doing this because they are panicking. They need a backup quarterback for the game on Thursday night with Garoppolo, uh, you know, most most likely getting the start, right? I mean, that, that's the way I, I would I would envision this thing going. But, um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. Matt Flynn released Ryan Lindley's sign of the Patriots. I, I don't know that that means that Matt Flynn won't be back, though, at some point. If I had to put my money on it, I'd put my money on this thing being one of those, Hey, M- Matt Flynn, why don't you keep your belongings in your locker? We'll be back to you in a few days, okay? So, keep an eye on it. It is a football week, I guess, with the first preseason game. I I don't take the first preseason game too serious. I don't even take the second one. I think when you get into the third and the fourth, those are the ones that you really start looking at the first-team offense, first-team defense, and you start taking those games a little bit more seriously with uh, the results on the field. But it will be good to get a football game and see some football played with the Patriots on Thursday night. So... Getting into some football talk at some point. Uh, Baseball's still going on. You know that I love my Major League Baseball here late in in the summer in August. Getting into playoff races. We know the Red Sox are not in any of those. Uh, But I do have my eye on this Red Sox team and Henry Owens. He got his first Major League win yesterday. I still have concerns about his fastball velocity, though. I do. I have concerns about his velocity. Owens, five innings, allowed three hits, only one run. Walked four, struck out two, threw 84 pitches in a 7-2 win over the Tigers. Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, was very good in this one. He was hitting ninth in center field, went two for three, two runs scored, five RBI, also uh, drew a walk. He hit a home run that I didn't actually think was going to get out, uh, but he did five RBI, as I mentioned. Uh, he had a triple in this one. Jackie Bradley Jr. had one heck of a day, and the Red Sox win at 7-2. Henry Owens gets his first Major League win. I'll get to the Bradley Jr. stuff in a second. But again, to Henry Owens real quick, uh, Masterson came in uh, to relieve him, but Masterson designated for assignment today. And, and you know, I, I was wondering why this didn't happen two months ago. But, uh, excuse me, yesterday he was designated for assignment right after the game. Also, Mike Napoli got traded. I'll talk about that in a second as well. Uh, Henry Owens, though. He was throwing a lot of 88, 89 mile per hour fastballs yesterday. He he dialed it up to 91 a couple times. I think once at 92 miles an hour. But that's not him. For the most part, he's 89 and 91. We'll go 90. We'll say he throws 90. Is that good enough? I mean, I, I don't know if that is... At least that's a concern I have. Like, when we talk about top prospect pitches, and we've been talking about Henry Owens for a long time, and yes, he has been someone that I've been told, a couple years ago at least, was untouchable. Now, but but, but I just figured, not having watched him very much in the minor leagues, I figured his fastball velocity would be better than this. So it's a concern of mine. But we'll keep an eye on it. Jackie Bradley Jr., big day. (sighs) But he needs to just not tweet. Right? He... he needs to just not tweet. I, look, we, we take things and we blow it out of proportion. I get that. We absolutely do. Jackie Bradley Jr. yesterday after a great game. Five RBI, couple runs scored, two for three, walk, a home run, a triple, you name it. He did it. He tweets this, a picture of him and Decus- Dennis Eckersley at the airport. And he says in the tweet, huge thanks to Eck at Eck43 for saying all the things I can't do these past few days. People like you is what drives me. Smiley face. Let me read that again. The tweet. It's a picture of Eckersley and Jackie Bradley Jr. at the airport. They're both posing for the picture together. It's like Jackie Bradley went over to Dennis Eckersley and said, hey, can you take a picture with me? Eck said, sure, man. Absolutely. And Jackie Bradley Jr. posts that picture after the game yesterday. He says, huge thanks to eck and he links X. This is important. He does link X Twitter. Huge thanks to at X43 for saying all the things I can't do these past few days. People like you is what drives me. Smiley face. Now, Dennis Eckersley has been doing color commentary, uh, filling in for Jerry Remy, who's on vacation. Last couple days, right? Uh, so, he we went, ro- went on this road trip. And to Yankee Stadium. And then this weekend uh, to Comerica Park in Detroit. And, uh, look. When I first read this, I say, What are you what are you doing? What are you doing? Why Jackie Bradley, you're hitting one forty eight. I know you had a big day, but it's one big day. You're hitting one forty eight. You're the number nine hitter on a team. Yeah, you're trying to prove yourself at the plate. We know how great you are in the field, but at the plate, you're trying to prove yourself, and whatever anybody says about you at the plate most likely is correct, given the fact that one, you can't bunt for your life, and two, you are hitting one forty eight. Then I take a step back and say, okay. He links Dennis Eckersley's name, which means that I think he probably had a conversation with Dennis Eckersley, right? That's what I, I have to think that he's probably like, yeah, you know what I told Eck, you know what I told Eck, I could hear, I heard what he's saying, and it's motivating me. Okay, all right, and maybe he told Eck, Dennis Eckersley, that he was going to make that post he, because he had the picture. Look, it's not like he's hiding from Eck. He posts a picture there, and he links Eck's Twitter account. I, it's not like he's doing this behind his back and, like, bad-mouthing Eck. I really do think he was saying, it drove me. You know, the things that people say, I hear it, and it drives me. I don't hate these people for it. I use it as motivation. And, and you know what? Motivation at this stage of my career, I need it, and it's a good thing. I, I absolutely, the more I look at that, I think, yes, that's what he was going with it. And he sort of confirms it. Afterwards, in another tweet that says, I was in no way trying to make it seem like I was calling out anyone. It was supposed to be motivational, but got taken out of context, right? Because, look, a lot of people started tweeting and retweeting the original post. And, uh, again, at first, I felt the same way as a lot of people said, come on, Jackie. Like, please, you have one good game, and now you're going to do this stuff, and and you're going to put Dennis Eckersley on blast because he put you on blast when you deserved to be on blast, and I'm not so sure you deserve to be off blast just because you had one good game. Did we take this out of context and maybe overreact to this? Of course we did. Of course we did. That's what we, yes, yes, we did. We did. But, okay, and I say but. I, I guess I just keep coming back to, you are only hitting 148 and should probably shut the fuck up and not tweet, right? Look, I like Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm rooting for him. And if he wants motivation, he could take some of my shows and use his motivation when he hasn't been able to hit at the play at the major league level. And he probably should. And I think it's a good thing that he probably is using this stuff as motivation, as he points out, because clearly he is. At the same time, though, even if he told Dak he was going to do this, even if it got taken out of context, I wish he just wouldn't do it because here's what he should say to himself. Okay, I feel this way, but still, it's not like I all of a sudden got my average back up to, got it up to 300, and then I give this picture. Jackie Bradley Jr., you want to go on a tear? You want to steal the job? You want to be the, you want to... Get us thinking about you in the leadoff spot, which is probably where you should be given, uh, you know, your speed, right? But, but I mean, look, it can't happen because you, you can't, you know, you're hitting 148. But if you want to get in that conversation, put yourself there, maybe get your average up, go on a tear, prove to us that you can hit it to major league level, then maybe you tweet that stuff out. But in the meantime, I just, even though we did take it out of context, I still wish you wouldn't tweet it because at the end of the day, Facts are facts, and the fact is you are hitting 148, and you still have not proved to anybody, Red Sox or other GMs, that may want you in a potential trade this winter. You haven't proved to anybody that you can hit major league pitching. You can, you haven't. You just haven't done it. So, uh, we'll move on. But don't you know if you? I guess there should be a rule. You know, if you're not hitting over 200, you shouldn't be tweeting about how you're hitting. <laughs> can we do that? Right? Ultimately, I don't care what the meaning is. I don't care what it's about. I don't care if it's said in jest, if it's taken out of context. If you're not hitting at least 200, you shouldn't be tweeting about how you're hitting. Okay? And that's that. We'll move on. Uh, I'll close out the show with, I, 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 I guess, a little Mike Napoli tribute. Because we gave, I gave the Shane Victorino tr- tribute. and I gave the Mike Napoli the full tribute on WEI on Saturday. We played your audio of the 2013 ALCS in Detroit. Mike Napoli hits the solo home run in the seventh inning off Verlander to give the Red Sox a one nothing lead in Game 3 at the ALCS. The series was tied at 1 going into that game. It was Lackey versus Verlander. And uh, Mike Napoli, the the one big hit of the game, home run, 3-2 count, puts it in the seats in left center field, Mike Napoli jumps all over a 96-mile-per-hour fastball, and the Red Sox win a 1-0, a huge hit, biggest hit of Mike Napoli's career, he was traded to the Texas Rangers over the weekend, Uh, how fitting it was to actually be in Detroit in that same ballpark that he had the biggest hit of his career in Game 3 of the 2013 ALCS, which the Red Sox went on to go on and win that series and then win the World Series, it's fitting that Napoli gets traded while he is while the Red Sox are in Detroit. Uh, it brings you back, gives you those memories. Memories that you should have. Mike Napoli was terrible this season. Let's call it what it is. He was brutal, and it was awfully tough to watch. And I get that when he was in the lineup— you know, we, people questioned why. I looked at it and said, well, give the, it's a contract year for him. you got to think at some point the motivation will catch up here. And, uh, you know, he's going to turn things around, right? And if he turns things around, it will benefit the team with any type of trade value when they do move him. So they traded him. They moved him. The trade value wasn't great. People say, why didn't they get anything for him? They got player to be named later or cash considerations. I say, well, Again, let's call it what it is. Napoli was no good this season for the Red Sox. He was brutal. I think this is more the Red Sox doing him a favor more than anything else. Sending him to to a place where he used to play a a team in the Texas Rangers that is in a playoff race, right? And uh, maybe that rejuvenates him a little bit. Maybe a change of scenery does him good. And maybe jumping into a playoff race gives him a little bit more excitement when he's at the ballpark, gets him going a little bit more, and uh, you never know. Maybe he finds some magic in his bat here in the next couple months, and maybe it helps the Rangers. Good move for the Texas Rangers, who are right now four games out of the final wild card spot in the American League. The Angels, Orioles, Rays ahead of them. Of course, the Blue Jays have the top wild card spot, so I guess we could look at them as well. So four teams ahead of the Rangers for the two wild card spots. Look, they're only four games back. It's not impossible. But it, there's still a good amount of teams battling for it. Um, if you put a gun in my head right now, I'd say the Blue Jays and the Angels will be the two teams in that spot. That's what I would. That's that is where I would go with that one. But the Rangers have a chance. And how about the Blue Jays? They sweep the Yankees, and they're taking care of their own business. And here are the Blue Jays, a game and a half behind the Yankees in the AL East. So it could be the Yankees in that wild card spot, for all we know, in that wild card game. Um, but. That's the way the playoff race looks, and Mike Napoli is back on a team that's in the playoff race, and, and maybe, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden Mike Napoli starts stringing together some home runs and some hits, change of scenery, do you good, uh, get you into a playoff race, maybe rejuvenate you a little bit, but, but, but for the Mike Napoli haters out there, and there have been some because he's been brutal, I'm not going to spend much time thinking about the 2015 Mike Napoli I'm not going to spend much time even thinking about the 2014 Mike Napoli. When I remember Mike Napoli, I'll remember him for that hit in Detroit. I'll remember him for being in the middle of the Red Sox lineup in a team that uh, won a championship. And Napoli was a major part of that with some big hits. And uh, this was a guy that came to the Red Sox that signed, you know, at the same time as a guy like Victorino... And, you know, and Napoli was great in the clubhouse. He had a great presence. He started the the big group of Bearded Brothers, you know, the band of Bearded Brothers, right? And, uh, you know, he did something special. He was part of something special, and he wasn't just someone that sat on the bench and cheered the boys on. He contributed, and that big hit that I just mentioned from him there in the 2013 ALCS was one that, that I'll never forget. And uh, as he leaves town and goes back to the Rangers and goes to Texas and his Red Sox... His very short Red Sox career is over. I just want to close this show out by saying to Mike Napoli, thank you for all you did with the Red Sox. Thanks. That's it. So, uh, wrapping up the show here on this Monday morning. We'll get into some more football stuff this week. First preseason game for the Patriots on Thursday night. Uh, I'm on weei tonight, 10 to midnight. Make sure you tune in. In the meantime, you can get this podcast every weekday, dannypicard.com. Subscribe on iTunes, really, anywhere Podcast is available. You can get it. Um, read me in the Boston Metro every Thursday. Hopefully I don't have to write about Deflategate this week, but I probably will. <laughs> um, and follow me on Twitter, at dannypicard. Like me on Facebook, Instagram, you name it. I am there. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.